Okay. Uh-oh. Just got it. Okay. It did that to me. It did the thing that you were saying it was going to do. Okay, great. Well, welcome, Dave, to the first step. Um, excited to talk more about you with you today about this dry farming. I've never heard about it. And we've been introduced by my dear friend, Shani Cranston, who is just this food goddess here on Vancouver Island. and uh, Everywhere on the West Coast. Yeah, I think she's pretty well renowned for her love of food and health. So if she wants us to talk and she wants people to find out about what you do, that's enough for me to to kind of get asking you these questions. So I guess my first question for you is like, just plain and simple, what is dry farming? Dry farming, the term dry farming comes from no irrigation water, no drip tubings, no drippers, no um, water from a river. It comes from the sky. It comes from, you know, the tears of the universe, I call it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, so uh, that's what you rely on. And, um, and what you have to do in order to achieve that goal is you have to, uh, in a sense, capture it preserve it in the ground and seal it off for whatever you're growing and can survive on that, you know, for the season. Wow. And so how do you do that? How do you capture it or keep it in the ground? Well, <laughs> get your nets out. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> what you have to do is, um, well, um, yeah, basically it rains and then uh, ground gets wet. Um, Winter months go by, um, days start getting longer, you know, spring's on its way. And then um, you kind of have to, it's timing. Um, the, uh, you know, you get, hopefully you have a, you know, you have a cover crop. I am a religious cuckoo person about cover crops. I love cover crops. And uh, sometimes I get them this year. I got it, it was about this big, oops, that big. Some years I get it that big. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, up to the radiator on the D6. So it uh, just depends on your amount of rainfall. Um, timing, too. Is this is a really strange year. There's never one year that's exactly the same as the other. So you have to go on your intuition and, you know, luck. But anyway, so what happens is the ground gets to be a certain bit of dryness to it because you do not want to get on any piece of ground when it's too wet. If you get on a piece of ground when it's too wet, you will ruin it. And it might take years to recover, turn it into a big dirt clod, hard, clumpy, you know, here's kind of adobe, real thick ground mm -hmm. mixed in with calcareous limestone. That's what also holds the water too, rocks. And um, so anyways, uh, so you get in there and you, you know, you, you think, okay, the timing's right. Um, this year, I was hoping, okay, well, it's going to be, it's a dry year, cover crops, you know, small. So I went through there and I opened everything up, flipped it. Uh, because what happens is the weeds grow and they're green. Now the weeds turn brown. Why do they turn brown? There's no more water oh. in them. Yay, you, you're smart. Yeah, the, it's used all the water up. And so... That's what you don't want to have happen. And um, so you got to, you know, go, go through the cover crop um, and, uh, you know, disc it. And then maybe it's open. Maybe you'll get another inch or two or three. You never know. And uh, but whatever it is, then you pretty much, you know, disc a few times. 
um, it turns into nice. There's the new word. Some of the college kids that are in agriculture now they call it uh, they call it a dry a dry mulch. Dry mulch is basically from disking, uh, and you create this mulch. And you know if you do any soil samples on this place, you know my or, organic matter uh, percent is you know it's huge. It's high. It's just in the ground because I put it something in every year it goes back into the soil. So um, so basically that's what happens. And then. Then, there's, then what happens is you disc it, uh, disc it once, let the weeds dry out that are, you know, you killed or flipped when you're disking, and then uh, go back through it again. Uh, maybe it rains, maybe it doesn't. You might have to repeat it. If it doesn't rain, then you just wait, let everything dry out. And then um, usually it's not too much wait for a hot day, and then you start running a drag through there, and you smooth it off, and you create this barrier. It's an insulation barrier that's on the surface there, and... Uh, it just holds and you scratch down below and you can, it's like muddy underneath. Wow. And, uh, and so that's what the trees live on here. And uh, grape wise, I have wine grapes also. Um, this area was um, at one time was the almond capital of the world. Almonds. They are the ones that everybody's going because too much water use, right? Well, they all dry farm them here because when they planted them, drippers weren't and drippers and drip tubing wasn't even invented so uh you know so every and it was the capital san luis obispo county was the capital of the almond almond growers of the year of the world sorry excuse me and they had a uh, cal al cal shell cal al diamond almond which is diamond walnuts and you know they had processing plants here in town uh at one time there was Color houses, which is what takes the husks off of walnuts, all through these this Adelaide area. You know, it was a big industry. And then, and then what happened was uh, cheap water from San Joaquin Delta. Um, then uh, also um, industrialization of farming, where which which means uh, more uh, machines to harvest, and it supposedly you know made it cheaper. So everything went east into the desert where they irrigate and that's how they you know make it happen and it gets harvested by machines and um yeah and you know it's i mean i guess you have to do it certain you know there's a lot of people to feed so you can't just rely on one thing but at one time it used to rain more too mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. i mean we could, that's a whole nother discussion but at any rate, um, there's a very few people that are actually dry farming, uh, and this area has like the last, and there's not too many left here either. Um, so you just, it's, it's a timely thing. You have to, you know, be patient, wait for the weather to be right. Um, and so you basically, you're preserving the moisture that comes from the sky, and then it's in the soil there, and um, boom, there you go. That's amazing. So can you tell me a little bit more about the history of your farm or why you became a dry farmer or a little bit more about your story? Well, I wasn't really a dry farmer at choice. I was a, um, a surf, a young surfer in Malibu and um, my folks bought property up here and I was forced to come here, you know, kicking and screaming. And then um, I don't know. And then I ended up, uh, working in almond harvest or they call it the old timers around here call it almonds and they and almond is the reason why they call that is 
back in the day on these hillsides around here is you would pull an almond, an almond sled and it had three sides to it and you pull the sheets out and you have these rubber like a axe handle with a, a tire wrapped around it with a pin through it and you pull the sheets out and the sled you know three sides and it's on the downward side of the tree of course and you'd knock knock the trees by hand and so you would knock the l out of them get it it's a joke anyway, uh, i get it i get it you knock the l out of them and then you'd end up with an almond instead of an almond so uh you know country fun but anyhow um <clears throat> excuse me so um but yeah so they were all over the place the walnuts were the same thing uh, there are some big trees around here there's still trees on this corner i'm farming that were or black walnut they were started by seed and they're grafted and they're still growing and um thanks to me uh, no but i farm it because it's, it's this little weird piece that joins my property and i just do it because um you know nobody else will and then um uh, it's good that you got to keep farming these things. They're old, especially those kind of trees. If you don't farm them and let them go, don't take care of them, don't disc around them or anything, they'll die fast. And um, so, excuse me. So anyway, so yeah. Uh, so we came up here from Malibu. My parents bought this property in 1968. Um, and uh, basically, you know, I went to high school here and rode a station wagon. That was the school bus. And then... Um, and then I had my first harvest, almond harvest I worked. And then I'd work, you know, some of the walnut harvests and stuff. And then um, uh, what else? So then I um, kind of got a little older, uh, moved out, uh, kind of a young age, and uh, ended up moving to Mendocino County. And I lived up there. But I come down here to help my parents. So um, I worked up there. Strangely enough, I worked, uh, I did farm peas, commercial salmon fishing, and um I did some row crop stuff with uh, cabbage and whatnot, but that wasn't dry farm. But up there, there's a big Stornetta Brothers. They farm uh, English peas, uh, all dry farm, no water at all. And um, they just they just just really pump out a lot of crates. And uh, they've been doing it for generations. They actually used to grow potatoes up there the same way, no water, just just unbelievable tonnage of potatoes. And um, I did a little potato action up there too, and it's I really like potatoes. They're they're super cool. You can do them with no water. I got like seven tons my first year, just screwing around with no water, and <laughs> so it's like a lot of potatoes. But uh, anyways, um, but yeah, so uh, it's just a matter of learning these old ways that aren't actually taught in college. Uh, fortunately, I was young enough uh and uh that i got to and had the interest enough at a younger age you know um and i hung out with the old farmers that's who i worked for because um they were fun <laughs> characters so anyways that's so cool great. that's so yeah. cool and I, as i'm listening to i feel kind of ignorant that i've never heard of dry farming before especially in 2021 where i would just imagine, although I don't know why I continue to have so much hope, but that we would, you know, be turning to people like you and these older, I don't know, yeah. method or yeah. art forms of ways to grow our food. Well, uh, the eastern side of Canada, um, I don't, what's that big city there? They, uh, there's a lot of dry farming wheat and uh, grain crops all through there. And uh, I have met some Canadian grain, far grain farmers in Baja 
and we have quite a discussion and um because we all kind of relate to the same thing i mean they're not doing nut crops but they farm dry farm they don't irrigate you know by sprinklers they just pray for rain and um so anyhow um so there's there's dry farming around you just have to you know be conscious of it look around and you'll see it most like there's you know barley and hay crops there most of them are are dry farm there's a lot of them irrigated too though so yeah so it's this it's around but not like it used to be because you know we're in the industrial age of farming so Mm -hmm. it's all about efficiency and taking as much resources as you can quick to make as much profit as you can quick yeah it's really changed so it's so much as so yeah uh, so what makes your what makes your walnut so special then like shaney you know she's always hunting after the best products you know so what's uh-huh. so special what's so special about these walnuts well um i don't know um luck maybe um they're a hartley brand hartley variety uh they were basically you know created for the holiday market for in shell nuts because they're a nice you know color and they have nice light meats inside and they're pretty uniform is in their in their shell And uh, so they were kind of a holiday favorite and um, they still are in some places, but um, there's other ones they've, they've got this because they, they, what they do with walnuts is they grade you on edible yield. So, so they take a, take a, a walnut and they crack, you know, a ton of them, whatever, take a sample out for the Hartleys. I think we get like, you know, I don't know, it's either 48% or 38%, um, edible yield where like this there's a new one called a uh, chandler that's taken over and it's like i don't know it's i'm not going to say it's 90 percent, but it's like it's pretty much up there like the 70s maybe it's, it's all meat inside but you know they have the worst flavor in the planet nobody you can't really eat them and unless you you know doctor them up with some sugar or something they just they taste they're terrible and um they don't have the quite the color and um they're irrigated for the most part um you know it depends on where they're grown to you know uh they're grown in the sandy desert of san joaquin it is a desert it doesn't rain there it's but it gets a lot of water from the uh, sierra, sierra nevadas and stuff so they have irrigation water groundwater and so um but anyhow, that's kind of, there was a bunch of other varieties. There's Frankettes that are a few around. They're all considered old varieties. Uh, they're kind of like, you know, the edible yield part of them. Uh, Frankettes are pretty high, but they're, I don't know, for some reason, not as popular. Uh, Hartleys are kind of old varieties. So they're, you know, not being encouraged to grow, you know, because of that. And the Chandlers are sort of taking over the market, but, you know, you know, you go wine tasting, you can go walnut tasting like Shaney has done. And she can prove to you that mm-hmm. there's They're the best flavor. And, and, you know, you can still take the shells and do stuff with them. And, you know, they make stains out of them and everything else. So, you know, soak them and nothing, nothing goes to waste. So wow. um, cows can even eat the green husk off of a walnut for cow feed. So there's, uh, there's a lot of things. Squirrels love them. And, um, <laughs> really good to eat. I never buy chips. I only eat walnuts That's it for my snacks. I That's can show awesome. you a bunch of them right over there. All the shells just laying on the kitchen countertop right there. You eat the shells as you're like, no, no, no. Them. They're empty shells. Oh, it looks oh, like, oh. you know, but I just, I didn't want a snack. So I just have a bag right over there and, uh, 
Can I hold on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me. Well, and I'd be curious while you're grabbing those, if you could tell us a little bit more of the health benefits. Like I know that um, walnuts are supposed to be good for your brain, I think. They're good. They have high omega-3 oils. They're right next to salmon. Um, anyway, so this is just my, you know, my. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so that's the sack of walnut. I mean, oh. I, just, I have some down in the, in the, in the barrel. Room. Anyway, so uh, yeah, and there's a husk on That's what they look like with a husk on them. That looks last, amazing. Last year's walnut uh, with a husk and without a husk. I'm trying to get used to yep. this. Yep. Anyway, so, and, you know, they have um, flat bottom. Mm -hmm. Our, uh, Frank Gett will have kind of two pointed ends. Um, so what I do, I don't know if I can do this, but so I, uh, for, I, this is what I use for cracking a walnut. A little hammer. Yeah, the other things what happens you use like a nutcracker and uh, it it's it just smashes them and you just end up with a bunch of sawdust and I just don't like sawdust. So, anyways, I just pop it right at the top there and it comes out and you'll get halves. Oh, that looks amazing. Yes, it's see, it looks oh, like your brain. Or beautiful. My brain. <laughs> that's so beautiful. See that? And then you get the two halves. There's a little membrane in the middle there. Anyways, can you see it? Yeah, it's amazing. That's a gorgeous nut. Oh. Yum. I wish you could share with me. Too bad we're on mm. Zoom. Yeah, I bet you can't just eat one. And um, so I'm going to get them through Shaney. So I'm going to taste those and then I'll mm -hmm. let you know. So the it other thing, so yeah, the other anyways. thing that Shaney told me that makes you special is something, yeah. something about your staff and how you treat them. Did you want to talk a little bit about your philosophy behind your, the people that work with you? Well, um, hmm. Well, um, I just, I have much respect, first of all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they are, um, those guys, uh, my group, um, and there's a lot more of them just like them, are some of the hardest working people you'll find. Yeah. And, um, you know, they come from southern Mexico, and, um, you know, they're just trying to, do what we're all doing. Mm -hmm. um, take care of our families. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah. um, so I just just try to treat them as I treat myself. You know, we have lunches and picnics and stuff during harvest when I can. I can't always do that because I'm, you know, running around and have to get this or get that or something. Sacks, walnuts, grapes. I don't. Um, grapes is a whole other picking thing. But um, no, and. Um, yeah so and most of the people that actually believe it or not i've been we've been doing this for 20 years together here our same group and uh some of the parents now don't like picking walnuts they go what's going on and they go means oh, mucho, 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 mucho dolor and i go oh, i go oh i forgot 
yeah, you're getting older just like me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my back. So um, it's a hard job picking walnuts. I mean, whew, you got to lean on a bucket and you pick buckets, you know, of them, three buckets. Uh, that's a sack. It's contract. And um, so one year, though, I did have some people come down from Watsonville. They'd been picking strawberries. And they thought walnuts was like a picnic in the park. They said, this is so easy. <laughs> so I guess, you know. It's um, all relative. Yeah, I guess that's what you're picking. I, so compared to strawberries, walnuts is a lot easier. So this, that was their opinion anyhow. So, but anyways, um, so no, I just treat them respect with family. You know, we have lunches together and I know everybody first name and, you know, it's just very comfortable. That's so. cool. My husband's Mexican. And so we, you know, we're living on Vancouver Island now, but I lived for 12 years in Mexico and the Mexican people are super dear to my heart. And, um, you know, we have, it's interesting to, to talk a little bit about that, the culture around like so many Mexicans work so hard in farms mm -hmm. in oh. North America and they really literally provide the food that we have on our tables, right? That's right. And it's fascinating exactly. to think like, you know, just, I mean, that's, this is a whole nother conversation, but I can't help but just touch on it that, you know, we do have, especially because my children are half Mexican and Canadian, I feel like I'm so intertwined in these two different worlds, right? I'm right. white, I'm Caucasian, you know, growing up in this privileged mm -hmm. uh, way and then just so close to this other country that I would say yeah you know has to work harder to have what we what we have with our privilege that just gets passed down and we see it here too like you, there's a group of Mexican guys that come up here to um, pick blueberries every year you know right mm -hmm. and I I just think they're you know there's such hard working folk do it really doing what you said like providing for their families right. right all the all the money they earn basically goes back to that's right they like there's yeah everything goes south and it goes it takes care of grandma grandpa and everybody down the line so yeah that's how it rolls it's so nice to hear you care about them and and see them as um humans and you know, I yeah yeah, that, that they've touched your heart the same way. I think, oh. yeah, Mexican people, they're just the best. And we're all, you know, we're all essentially the same, right? Like, um, yeah. that's the thing. If we could maybe not see those divisions or those lines so hard. The boundaries, right. Well, we're all on the, you know, one thing is in common because at a few times they say, we speak Spanish. And I go, it's like Californiano. And uh, <laughs> oh, okay, well, and then I go, and so depending on where you're born out, like, you know, I talked to what well, I'm in Mexico, I'm in Baja, I have been to mainland too, but, um, uh, you know, we're all, if you're from Cali if you're from Baja, California, and I'm from, cause I was born in California. So we're, we're all the same. We're just Californianos. <laughs> and so yeah. everyone starts thinking they're going, I never thought about it like that. And so, you know, it's true. And, um, you know, and for you guys, I mean, you're just West coast, we're all West coast. We have this, as time goes on in my life, I recognize people from certain areas and I'm not trying to categorize or put boundaries on people, but you know, there's a certain group West coast and that could be from Alaska down to the, you know, bottom of South America. And like, there's kind of like the same. Onda. 
vibra. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Same onda. Simón Cachotón es, es igual, es pensando igual. And so there, you know, there's a certain part of that. And, um, and then as you move across different parts of countries, interiors and things, it's, it changes as it, you know, as it goes on. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, but anyways, it's, it's, it's all great. And, you know, good people are good people, no matter what part of the world they're from. I mean, there's a lot of really great people. I had some people from Spain once come here and, uh, they're really good friends. They pick, pick grapes for me. And, um, they were just, you know, on, a on the hunt to harvest and, uh, work And so, um, yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been great. Had a lot of good experiences. Well, that's very cool that you're continuing to allow these old ways of farming <laughs> to continue to exist. And that, you know, even just acknowledging your, your work family as family, I think is so, those are two things that I think people, if they listen to this can really take away and, learn from I think you know where we are on the planet in 2021 that's really the only way forward I think is to to begin to value more about what you're talking about our water use and how we treat the land right all these things that you you're you so richly know I think you're going to be the you know people like you will will be the leaders if we're going to continue to be able to live on our planet so I hope lots of people well hear this and and get inspired for some new ideas or yeah i'm not i'm not really trying to be anything other than just myself and yeah. uh but I, i like i said i was fortunate to grow up with the old timers that were here and i i got stories that you know never ended and um and just things that they came across and you know farming and it was a lot harder back then and uh You know, and then I, I incorporated, you know, new stuff, just things where I learned as I went down the road and, um, uh, you know, in my life. And um, and so I've added things to dry farming, you know, like I, a couple seasons ago, I, I rented a big a D7 cat with, with five foot. It's a ripper cat has just these big five foot shanks on the back end of that thing. And I just went through the whole orchard and just busted up all the hard pan and I mean, I got right up next to the trees. I had, I mean, I, it looked like a woods rat's nest in that cockpit of that seven because all the dead wood and everything because it has a cage on it, you know, and yeah. it was just all filled in there. And I mean, it just, and then we were lucky we got rain that year. And uh, so all that water went down deep. And I mean, this year I had like 11 inches of rain and it was kind of in the middle of the winter. And we had a bunch of cold weather. So the, the moisture that did come down kind of if you didn't have it like the ground in check you know soil management that's another thing um it didn't really hold it and so i mean i'm well we sent i sent some pictures to shaney yesterday we did a drone thing up on the barn hill i i haven't seen it yet but it's something that nobody has ever seen. I mean, I mean, I've never seen myself driving a tractor up and down those hills. I mean, this is really steep hill. I mean, I shake the walnuts and they, they'll roll down to the next tree row. That's that steep. Wow, so, wow. Um, and you know, people do worry about um, erosion and things. And I'm so aware of that, but you know, what I do is what has happened with cover crops every year, you just keep adding and adding and adding organic matter to the soil. And, you know, it changes the whole composition, the whole texture, um, 
the viscosity of it in some ways. There's more there than just dry, puffy, nothing. It's, you know, there's something really there. So you seed it and then you, you know, lucky you get a little bit of rain, you know, not gully washer in one afternoon, which hasn't really happened, but it can, anything can happen. And uh, with mother nature. So, um, but I just keep planting, planting, planting religiously. I don't care if it rains or doesn't rain. Uh, if, if it goes this big, I'll get that much more than I would have if I didn't do anything. I would have gotten that. Mm-hmm. So whatever. It still costs the same. That much that much versus, you know, up to your eyeballs. It's uh it's just gambling for, you know, whatever happens. So you just gotta keep the faith and hopefully it'll all work out and most of the time it'll just be fine. I love that. Well, maybe that's where we'll (laughs) end, Dave. I love that. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Sure. Thank you.